for your prayers this week. I'm feeling better today than I was last Sunday, even though it might not sound it. We are, for visitors, we are travelling through the book of Galatians and in particular looking at this theme. Sorry, Cheryl, can you sync that for me, please? Looking at this theme, um, set free in 2023, and thank you, and looking at what it means to have freedom in Christ, discovering freedom in Christ, (coughs) pardon me, so we might fully understand it, live it out, and then share it with others. And so that's the plan today. And Paul writes this book, this letter to the Galatian people to encourage them to not give up their freedom, not not to give up what they've already discovered because there's this other teaching hanging around and some are starting to listen to this other teaching. So, so we're up to chapter 3 and we're kicking off today in uh, at chapter 3 and verse, let me switch it on, here we are, 15 to 25. So we're picking up on what I preached two weeks ago. If you recall in the early part of chapter 3, uh, Paul had written and responded to the Judaizers, the people that had come up from Jerusalem uh, supposedly Christian people who are saying, look, faith in Jesus is okay, but you've also got to follow the law as well to be acceptable to God. And Paul reacted to that. That was not the case because his whole uh, uh, theme of, of the book, the letter to the Galatians was freedom in Christ through faith in Christ alone, not any pluses or pluses or pluses or add-ons. And so he had mentioned in chapter 3, if you've got your Bibles there and can turn to Galatians chapter 3, uh, the first part of uh, Galatians was about addressing their, their response about being children of Abraham. And he says there in that early part of chapter 3 that Abraham believed he had faith in God and because of that it was credited to him as righteousness. So it was the faith in God that saw Abraham as righteous, not the acts that he did or the uh, works that he did as a result of that faith. They came later. So Paul goes on in this letter to try and convince the believers in Galatia but also addressing some more of the concerns of the Judaizers. He goes on in chapter 3 to do that. You remember right back at the end I said that Paul's letter can easily be defined in three sections. The first two chapters are his biography what gives him the right to be the teacher of the good news, uh, what he's been through, his experience, his conversion, his uh, receiving of the good news from Jesus directly. That's chapters 1 and 2. We're into chapters 3 and 4, which are what I've called the theological section. So it's the nitty-gritty of what you actually believe, what, they, what he said you need to believe because others will come telling you something different. And we need to hear that message today too. We need to make sure that what we believe is the 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 foundation truth of the gospel, no matter what others might say. And in the last uh, two chapters we'll get to, he talks about the ethics of uh, faith in Christ alone, what it means to live out our faith in Christ alone. So that's where where the the whole um, uh, letter goes. In the first part of chapter 3, he talked about Abraham's faith, which produces righteousness. Then he talked about the sign of circumcision coming after that, then after that, historically, the law was given 430 years later. So what came first was this faith in God. And that's what Paul was honing in on. And so that's where we're up to today. I wonder if you've ever made a promise to do something for someone and then forgotten to do it. Anybody? 
Yeah, I hate to admit it, but uh, you know, the you might take a photo on your phone and say, "Look, I'll send it to you," but guess what? Forgot to send it to you. I feel bad about it when I do that, especially when somebody reminds me, "You forgot to send me that photo." Oh no, I forgot to send send you the photo. But I want to tell you that God is nothing like that. When He makes a promise, He keeps it. His promises are irrevocable; they can't be changed. Whereas ours, because of our forgetfulness, we might not keep that promise. So God's promise is powerful. His promise is holy. And he's made some promises to the people of Israel, to Abraham and to us that will not change ever. And that's where Paul's going in this part of the uh, letter that he's writing. He says, for some reason that's not clicked there, he says that God keeps his promise. And that's what... If anything we take away today from this passage is that God keeps his promise. He's faithful, he's unchanging. He keeps his promises. And we're going to look at this in three, four sections. The promise that was actually made, that Paul addresses, the purpose of the law and why the law was given, the purpose of the promise that was given and the results of the promise. That's where we're heading this morning. Galatians chapter 3. I'm going to ask you to save my voice again by reading these verses for us. So this is about the promise that was actually made that Paul is writing to the, Jude- to the Galatians about and that reminds them of the history of Abraham. How about you read that for me? Let's read it from verse 15. Brothers, Verse 17. So this passage tells us about God's promise to Abraham. And do you remember what that promise was back in Genesis chapter 12 verses uh, 1 to 3? Do you remember the three things that God promised to Abraham? Father of many nations. The promised land, the promised land, yeah, and? One more. All the nations of the earth will be blessed. So there are three promises. And, and Paul's referring back to this because... Uh, he would have taught this to the uh, Galatian believers and now he's referring back to us. And this is what these verses say. God's saying to um, Abraham, I'll make you into a great nation. So verse 1, I left it off, it says, I'll bring you into the promised land. And then he goes on, I'll make you into a great nation and I'll bless you. I'll make your name great and you'll be a blessing. So personal blessing for Abraham to become a great nation. Verse 3, I'll bless those who bless you and curse whoever curses you. I'll curse and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Blessing to all the peoples on the earth. So those are the three parts of the promise. And this is the thing that the, the Judaizers had harped back to about Abraham and his faith and all that sort of stuff. But they got it wrong. They'd missed out on what God was actually saying to Abraham. It was God promised to Abraham 
And as we will see, it was God's promise to all who believe in Jesus Christ as well. These promises weren't just for Abraham, they're for us too. A little bit further on in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 7, it says this. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, bracket seed, I'll give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. So those three promises were, were for Israel, for Abraham, for Israel and for us. It went beyond the nation of Israel, the promise. It went beyond the land. It went to every person will be blessed through, the, through what God was promising. Paul says, uh, if you notice there back in those verses, he talked about this seed or this offspring. Some translations have it. And, and um, the, the promise was to Abraham and his seed. And, and Paul writes there, and not to seeds. What he's talking about, some people, if you don't know the background, he's talking about the seed that he's talking about is, Paul goes on to expand, it's that Christ is the seed of Abraham and followers of Jesus are a part of that seed of Abraham compared to the seeds which are the people of Israel. So God keeps his promise to the seed which is Christ and then also to us but then seeds are Abraham. Seeds refers to physical descendants if you like and seed refers to spiritual descendants. So we are the spiritual descendants of Abraham because we have put our faith in God, faith in Christ as the Son of God, Saviour of the world. The Jews were the physical descendants of Abraham but they couldn't grasp the part of the promise that God made when he was talking about that there would be a blessing to all the nations of the world. They were quite selfish looking and inward looking. This is our God, he's made the promise to us but they just didn't get this. That, they were going to be, that God's promise was to be a blessing or Abram was going to be a blessing to all the nations of the world. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 3 and verse 9 says this, And do not, do, do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones God can raise up children for Abraham. Do you know who said that? Jesus said that to the Pharisees. They thought that their heritage would save them. They thought that their the heritage of the nation of Israel would save them. But it was more than that. It was faith in the God of Israel, faith in the God of Israel through faith in Jesus Christ. I wonder, if only they had interpreted the scriptures properly, would things have been different in our world today? Would there have been a greater understanding of who Jesus is, who the Messiah was, than a limited understanding as it is today? that Jesus is the saviour of the world. But Paul comes back to his theme. What's his theme in, in Galatians? What's his underlying theme? Faith in Christ alone. So he comes back to that. And he goes over and over and over that theme again. Galatians chapter 3, verse 15, he uses a, an illustration of a human contract. <coughs> now, it's common in those days that if you made a pledge or a contract with somebody, you had to honour it no matter what. There was no backing out. Um, There's no backing out of that contract or arrangement. And we have similar things today. Um, I remember when uh, our children were younger and, and, and um, Cheryl's brother's children were younger, we, we made an <coughs> agreement. It wasn't written. We had this agreement that if anything should happen to us, they would look after our kids. If anything happened to them, we would look after their kids. It was one of those 
unwritten agreements, but it was pretty well unshakable. You know, it was something that we made that commitment to. And so, commitments are understandable, but, but Paul was writing that, that, that God's commitment is irrevocable. He will not go back on his commitment, even if humans break their commitments and their agreements with each other. So, we talked about the promise. The promise was that salvation would come through faith in Christ alone. Just as Abraham's faith brought him righteousness, so our faith brings us salvation through Christ alone. The purpose of, of the law, in Galatians chapter 3, verses 19 and 20, I'm going to ask you to read these again for me. Let's read them. Verse 19. We have the Old Covenant and we have the New Covenant. The New Covenant is the promise fulfilled from the Old Covenant. Does that make sense? The New Covenant is the promise fulfilled from the Old Covenant. The promise was made with Abraham before the law came into being and Paul wrote about that in those verses. It was a sense that, in a sense, the New Covenant, which is faith in God, precedes the Old Covenant because the Old Covenant was built on the law and the, new co- and, and the New Covenant was built on faith and Abraham already showed that faith before the law. Interesting, isn't it? When you think about the timeline of things. That ultimately God always wanted us as his creation, as his people, to be people of faith who trusted in him. Right, it didn't work first up so the, so the laws were brought in and all sorts of stuff. But now by grace we are accepted by God through faith in Christ alone. I think God's amazing the way that he's planned that out, that we have this incredible opportunity to know him purpose, uh, personally. So what was the purpose of the law? The purpose of the law was, had some clear reasons for God introducing that. One, that people had uh, moved away from believing that they were sinners. They had moved away from trusting God to show grace and mercy to them. What does the law do for us? The law makes us aware that we are sinners. Ten commandments. I have this discussion with people often. I should be good enough for God because I obey the ten commandments. My response is, the first commandment is, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind and soul and strength. Are you doing that? Ah, no. So how are you obeying the ten commandments? The law makes us aware that we can't fulfil all those laws. The law makes us aware that we, in fact, we are transgressors. We are disobedient to God. The law defines right and wrong and we see ourselves as we truly are, sinners before a holy God. But it doesn't stop there because God showed us his grace and mercy by bringing the Lord Jesus to free us from the, 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 the penalty of sin and to give us that hope for eternity. But the law was there for a purpose to show us what we needed to be free from. Do you understand? It was there to reveal our sin. People thought by obeying the regulations they would get acceptance to God, but no. The law was given so that people might see that they could never be totally acceptable to God except through faith in Christ. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I have a, a set of these at my place, not the feet, what they're standing on. Okay? And sometimes, sometimes I sort of peek at it to see if there's any downward change. That's my hope every day. I have this app on my phone and it, it links to the Bluetooth to the uh, scales and if it's, if it's a down weight, the sound goes brrrr. If it's a up weight, it goes brrrr. You know what I listen for every time? No. Oh, some are good, some are bad. But it tells you, do those scales help me to lose weight? No, they tell me the results of eating chocolate cake the day before. But they give me a reminder of what my condition is so that I can take action. And that's exactly what the law was, the the law of the Old Testament, the first five books of the Bible, the Torah. That's exactly what it was there for. It was to tell people their condition before God so that they might take some action. That action is, just like Abraham did, an action of faith in the one true God. And just like today, we have that action that we can take when the law reveals our sin so that we can turn to faith in Christ. Sadly, the Judaizers that had come up from Jerusalem to Antioch to where the Galatians were, they distorted the purpose of the law and they made it a set of rules to follow, to achieve that would make make us holy. That was the distortion. The holiness comes through faith. And the law is there to show us how unholy we are, if you like, rather than to achieve holiness. So, God sent Christ to show us that he paid the price for all our unholiness so that we might come to him as heirs of his promise. That was the purpose of the law. It wasn't to control, it was to reveal that we're all sinners. So there's a purpose to the promise and that purpose is in the next couple of verses here. You see how Paul had a strategy when he was writing this letter? Like he didn't have all these headings, we make up the headings just to get the message across. But he had this strategy as he moved from the introduction, the first couple of chapters. Now he's getting into the meaty stuff, really addressing the issue of what the Galatian Christians were facing. And then he's going to say, the next section he's going to say, now you know all this, now you've heard all this, this is how you do it right. And we'll be getting there in a couple of weeks. So the purpose of the promise, verses 21 and 22, let's read this. Uh-huh. Read it from verse 21. Is the law... Okay, so God's promise imparts or gives spiritual life. Not the law. God's promise imparts spiritual life. And this is a, a life that is, is, empowers us for living every day. It's a, it's a, a life that allows us to um, put aside the law, if you like, so that we can focus on who Christ is. The law and the promise were two different things. They had different functions. Paul uses an illustration in, uh, in his writings of a person being in a prison. And he says, the law puts us in prison, but the promise 
releases us from prison. So the law puts us in prison, we're confined, we're controlled, but the promise releases us from that so we can live under the grace of God and the freedom that God brings. Charles Wesley wrote a hymn once, we sing it from time to time, and it said this, Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray, I woke the dungeon flame with light. Read this with me. My chains fell off, my heart was free, I rose, went forth and followed thee. And again, my chains fell off, my heart was free, I rose, went forth and followed thee. He wrote that about this very freedom that we have in Christ, a freedom beyond the law. Jesus said, I haven't come to implement the law, I've come to fulfil it. I've come to fulfil the law, that obedience to Christ. So the law itself is not opposed to the promise. The promise fulfils the law. The law is an expression of God's grace to us. Without the law, we wouldn't know that we need saving. So by knowing that, we can experience God's grace and God's promise. Then there's the results. And this is where we're going to finish this morning. God keeps his promise and there's some results of this promise in verse 24 and 25. Let's read it together. Before this faith came, the Jews just didn't get it. A lot of them, they saw the law as, as something that was standalone. But all throughout history, just like uh, Keith mentioned about the red line, the blood of Christ, all throughout history, all throughout the history of the Jewish nation, the law was pointing to the Messiah, the coming one. People just didn't get it and they weren't looking for the Messiah. And When he came, they didn't see him. So the result of the promise was that the law was, was our taskmaster, the, the law was uh, the disciplinarian in the life of the Jewish nation but it's to show shortcomings in that nobody could be totally obedient to God's will. But then it was pointing to the promise that all the nations of the earth would be blessed through the seed of Abraham. Galatians 3:24 says that the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ. I wonder if we look at it that way. When we read the Old Testament, we often see a lot of, and certainly the five, first five books of the Bible, we see lots of rules for living but they were all intended to point us to Christ because we couldn't live up to those rules. So once we put our faith in Christ, those chains are broken uh, and we are free, set free from the law. It's no longer our disciplinarian, no longer our taskmaster. The law should bring us to that point where we say, nobody can be good enough to obey God. That's why we have to trust in Jesus. And that's where Paul was going with this argument in his letter. He was saying, you're basing, these people are basing all their trust in something that was supposed to point them to Jesus and they missed out on that. You guys know the truth. Why are you following another gospel was his question. And so we need to take that on board ourselves. We need to say that there's no other gospel, no other good news other than faith in Jesus Christ. And I wonder if there's people today that haven't come to that place before and said, Look, I've done the best that I could in life. You know, I've lived a good life, haven't done too many things wrong, but I've never considered Jesus as the one that can make me 
free from all that yucky stuff in the past, if you like. Free to live a life following and obedient to God. I want to pray for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Paul's writings. Sometimes they, they can be a bit meaty and we have to break them down a little bit and work through them, but ultimately the message is clear that we are saved, we are acceptable to God through faith in Christ alone. Lord, many people in our world try and do good things and there are great many good-hearted people in the world who I think they're created that way in the image of God. But they just don't know that they're only acceptable to you, Father, through faith in Jesus. So I pray for anyone here today who's never said, I trust Jesus. I thank him for dying for me on the cross as we remembered in the in communion. And I thank you for the freedom that he's given me, freedom from sin. Father, I pray for each one, each one of us that, that know the truth, that we will live it out in our lives, that we won't be bound up by things of the past, that we'll live that freedom in Christ that we have day by day. We thank you for the letter to the Galatians, Lord. We thank you that you enable Paul to teach this way and write this way because we learn from it today. We praise you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.